With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play hello and welcome to the mmqb nfl podcast i'm gary gramling and i'm connor Orr. and connor what a week we had uh, not just sunday which is what we usually come on the show to talk about uh we're gonna go all the way back to last monday uh and we'll also explain a little bit why we were not here with a midweek show uh but man we are starting in buffalo and I don't know. Of all the ways for that game to start, uh, it it just didn't even seem real when Naheem Hines took that opening kickoff back. So I talked to someone who was at the game um, on the Bills sideline, and they were watching Josh Allen watch Naheem Hines take the opening kickoff back for a score. And it was really cool to hear their story. And then to, so the, the, Josh Allen was was tearing up as he watches this historic kick return, right? Because I think it was the first, he's the first player in Bill's history to ever return two kickoffs for touchdown in a game. That's mm-hmm. the most kick return yards in Bill's history and the first double return game uh, since 2010. But Josh Allen's watching this and tearing up and, the uh, you know, just after this week of all this stuff happening and this very heavy emotional weights. And the person who told me that said, you know, I'm sitting there trying not to cry, just watching Josh Allen cry. And this whole, this whole outpouring of, it's just like a release. And if you're the bills, I can't imagine a better way to start that game because, you know, I was there during the week. Uh, I was at their first press availability on Thursday. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, not to doubt them in any way, shape, or form, but just how could I play a football game after something like that? How are these guys going to do it? I mean, mm-hmm. they knew this guy. They love this guy. And I, I just thought it would be much harder than they made it look. I'll say that. And, but, uh, man, what a way to start that game. Well, it's also like, if I could uh, be very cold and clinical here for a second, I couldn't decide if it was 
like, good or bad to have something so unexpected to start with? Because, like, just, like you said, to get to the mental uh, space they needed to be to play in this game, it's almost like, all right, let's just have a let's just have a good old touchback, start this game the 25, make it feel a little more routine, and then to have that sort of, like, <laughs> just rush of endorphins that must have been just blowing out of people's brains at that point as, as Naheem Hines is taking that kickback. Man. <laughs> but they they obviously recovered just fine, and uh, they they beat the Patriots once again. And uh, we'll get into the Patriots in a, in a little bit here, but uh, this Bills team feels like they have recovered nicely from what was a sort of November swoon there, which we have seen a lot of Super Bowl teams have in recent years. And uh, it it's kind of just getting righted here, I guess. I mean, if you could get through this first game, uh, you're probably going to be okay, or at least okay enough, uh, sort of psychologically and mentally going forward here. I think there was a couple of turning points, at least. And again, who knows, right? Uh, you know, I, I, I think about me. Um, I think about just my own experiences, right? And someone, uh, a fan that I talked to in Buffalo brought this up this week and I thought it was interesting. It's like, okay, how soon do you get back and drive a car after you get into a car accident? How soon do you want to do that? How soon Mm -hmm. does that feel safe to you? And for some people, it could just be like, all right, you know, let's go. And for some people, uh, I would imagine you you take the train for the rest of your life. You know, I don't know. But um, I thought that DeMar Hamlin's dad getting on a Zoom and saying, like, he, I promise you he would want you guys to play. I promise. Yeah. And that seemed for a lot of guys to do something for them mentally. Josh Allen brought up, too, that it sounded like they had some sort of a discussion this week about just how rare this cardiac event was. And so yeah. I think what they were kind of doing for the players was separating what happened to DeMar Hamlin as opposed to, you know, maybe what happened to someone like Ryan Shazier or someone else, right? Where mm-hmm. one is sort of a cardiac event and one is sort of a direct hit that causes some sort of permanent damage, right? And so I think that they were trying to do that as well, but, you know, it's still just this situation. I mean, Josh Allen said it, like, when I put my head down to sleep, I see it. I see the play happening over and over again, and it's it's really terrible. And I just I, – I, I, in that moment, I was like, boy, I don't know. I don't know if it's right. And someone asked Sean McDermott, which I thought was interesting, um, do you think the NFL should care about you guys playing on Sunday against the Patriots? And he said, I'm not going to answer that, which I thought was interesting, right? Uh, you know, and I understand that's a no-win – thing to comment on in that moment if you're the coach and sitting that out is probably the right move but i could imagine him being like yeah we you know we shouldn't have to play again until february but like at the least but they did it and it was incredible yeah they uh it's the whole thing was just kind of interesting to watch unfold in that uh you know, we're going to get into some of the pieces that you had filed from uh, from your time up in Western New York this past week. Uh, you know, our our uh, our pal Alex Pruitt had done a piece on PTSD and and what that means, and I, I think it's a really misunderstood term uh, that people really only uh, you know sort sort of uh, think about when it comes to military personnel. But 
you don't necessarily know what might cause someone to to have a flashback or, or something like that. Uh, anecdotally, uh, these things just, it carries so much power, and you can look at it and say, how many times has this happened in football history? I mean, it's you'd probably have to go back to... Uh, uh, to 1971 to find something like this where it was a it was cardiac arrest on the field uh, due to some sort of contact here, uh, but that doesn't really even knowing that even you know you could count off how many games have been played without this happening. Uh, it just doesn't take much to send someone's mind back to that once they have witnessed it and experienced it, and you know that's now ingrained in your psyche. Yeah, um, totally. And I think it's one of those deals where, you know, you know, I think one of the Bills players said it like, we're going to have 90 people associated with this situation who are dealing with it in 90 different ways. And there's going to want to be guys who want to be out with everybody. There's going to be guys who want to sit in a corner by themselves. And we are going to have to figure all those dynamics out. You know, people are never going to be the same again, but the bus isn't stopping. And so it's this crazy moment where you're going to have to learn how to live with almost new people, at least for a little while. And listen, I understand that some people are um, saying that like the media is making too big of a deal out of this and, Oh, like he's fine. What's the big deal. But I, you know, I would challenge anybody who hasn't had one of those experiences to really put yourself in those shoes, you know, and to really imagine going out there and playing a violent sport that almost killed one of your teammates, you know, I, and it's, it's a heady thing for sure. If I can make a very awkward transition to something that actually will, will make a lot of bills fans, uh, extremely happy as well. And that is the misery of the new England Patriots. <laughs> who, of course, uh, their season ended in this game with the, uh, with a loss. And the thing that kind of sticks out to me, uh, uh, just looking back on this Patriots season, and let's face it, they're they shouldn't be expected to beat the Bills. Uh, it would be a a sizable upset if they did so in this game, and and they obviously did not. Uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion this offseason about Matt Patricia and the offensive coordinator situation for the Patriots and what they do going forward, and whether Bill Belichick has to sort of move outside of his comfort zone, uh, even if it's promoting from within, and just you know, get a new voice in there. Uh, but the thing that kind of uh, sticks out almost as much to me is they lost two games this year almost solely because of special teams. And yeah. if there's one thing Bill Belichick takes extreme pride in, it's the the play of his special teams. Uh, we actually didn't talk about this game because it was the Thanksgiving night game, and we didn't do a show until uh, the following Monday. We didn't touch on it. But, uh, you know, they lose a game in Minnesota where they give up a, a kickoff return touchdown, and they end up uh, keeping a drive alive with a running into the kicker on a fourth and three. And in this game, of course, they give up the two kickoff return TDs. And that is, I mean, that is Bill Belichick's nightmare. It it really is. I'm, and I just couldn't. Th this has been a very non Belichick season. But mm -hmm. that said, it's what does that really mean, right? And you know, you and I talked about Belichick. You know, and and people saying, well, he should have warned all of his players, Jacoby Myers, not to throw that um, 
throw the lateral pass <laughs> the against lateral. the Raiders when yep. like you don't need to warn a human being about that. And I think it's just weird, right? Like if you watch the first Naeem Hines kick return, like a lot, a lot of people took really just bad angles and mm-hmm. there were some bad angles. There were some good blocks for sure. And Na- Naeem Hines is one of the fastest players in the league, but just the way that the trajectory of some of the guys were going, it's like, I wonder if they had two or three shots at that, if they wouldn't have had them at like the 30, the, you know, like the, at the Patriots 30 or the 35. But um, I, I don't know. Like, is it all just kind of, is he getting a lot of this stuff all at once? Has he made a lot of mistakes that we don't really think about over the years because the offense was so good and so efficient um, and the defense was younger and a little bit more dominant? Maybe, I don't know, but um, he, he's going to have to, if, if he stays, you know, and I don't know if, you know, I mean, listen, he's, he's one of the oldest coaches in the league. He could just decide tomorrow that he doesn't want to do this anymore. But mm-hmm. if he stays, you know, Bill Bryan's available. Um, I think that there were probably some talented guys on that staff that learned the offense that you could have bumped up without putting Matt Patricia in that role and kind of gumming up the works there. So I don't know if that's a possibility. Uh, Nick Cayley was the tight ends coach that I think would have been a, a sensible replacement for Josh McDaniels at some point. But, um, I, I don't know what they do from here because boy, it's just, they, they've been so frustrating in big spots this year. Uh, and, and I want to see this team in the playoffs because they're a great defensive game planning team that would, I think have a far reaching effect on the playoffs if they actually got in. The, uh, the other side of this, uh, I, I do want to talk about Naheem Hines real quickly because I know there's been uh, frustrations over is overstating it, but, uh, at least some surprise that he hasn't had a bigger role on this offense because, you know, we've talked on the show a lot. It's the year of the check down. He's a very good check down weapon. Uh, they brought him in and I remember we talked about it on that show and I was like, Oh, it's kind of a bummer for James Cook. Who's really coming along, but you know, young guy, he'll get his chance at some point And that'll, uh, uh, that'll be that. But, uh, Naeem Hines has never really got involved in this offense. I mean, do you, do you know how many rushing yards he had in eight games with the bills? Sorry, nine quizzing? games with the Bills now. Do you have it up? Are you quizzing me? I do. That is a quiz. Um, I will give you a Circuit City gift card if you are within five yards. Uh, I think he had 19 rushing yards. He had negative three rushing yards. Wow. In nine games. Six carries for negative three. How many receiving yards? Five catches for 53 yards. So he had 50 yards from scrimmage in, in nine games here. Uh, that's it for the bills yeah I, he's just been a, a non-factor I'm, I'm i'm trying to pull up the snap counts i don't have today's so uh that's not going to be very helpful but uh uh you'll just have to take my word he just didn't play many snaps on offense but here he is making a just a monstrous contribution uh in the return game i mean i was i loved this um I loved this trade at the time, and I remember you and I did a trade deadline show, and we were talking about how much we hoped to see um, Naeem Hines end up somewhere, let's say like a Rams or something, somewhere that could accentuate his speed and actually use him uh, to the fullest extent. But when he landed with the Bills, I thought, this is great, right? He is the speed component to Josh Allen out of the backfield. Mm -hmm. It's going to be awesome, Um, but hey. 
maybe that's a package we're looking at in the postseason too. I mean, that is one of those moves where if you're Buffalo, you're almost so entirely certain that you're going places with this team that you could save an entire component of your offense for the postseason. Yeah. And I think they could, you know, and not, you know, maybe they kind of let it out in drips or whatever. But, you know, I, I still think we haven't seen the end of him in this offense. And by the way, it was 63 snaps in eight games coming into today uh, on offense, I should say, and then 84 special team snaps. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, this certainly was a worthwhile acquisition, but uh, not having the offensive impact we might have expected to this point. Uh, so, Connor, I, I do want to talk about this a little bit. Uh, we did not have the midweek show uh, for two reasons. One reason being it's just really hard to – put something out in this medium with uh, things developing and changing. And we didn't want to tape a show on, let's say, uh, 9 o'clock on a Thursday morning and then have it come out at 11 o'clock. And everything we talked about is now outdated because something good or bad has happened with uh, Damar Hamlin's uh, you know, health status at that point. Obviously, it's all been very encouraging news since then, which is uh, which is tremendous. Uh, but the other reason we didn't do it, because you went out to Western New York to kind of, let's say, capture the vibe of what was going on out there. And uh, uh, things were things were a whole lot different earlier in the week. Yeah. Um, I When I arrived in Buffalo, it was the... I, I got there, like, really, really late on Tuesday. And so uh, Tuesday was the vigil. And so Wednesday, first thing, you know, uh, me and Andrew Christie, who's a great videographer, is part of our video team, and just kind of driving around and seeing what was going on, what people were thinking about. Um, the vigil had sort of passed, and there were remnants of the vigil at the stadium. But what we ended up doing was really just kind of trying to talk to Bills fans because it was not just a football moment, it's this life moment. And I remember you know, hearing from people saying like, Hey, I had, I watched this game with my little kids. And so they have to go to bed at nine o'clock. And so mm. they don't, they don't go to bed knowing whether this guy is alive or not, you know, and then I don't know what to say to them. And then I go, I put them to bed and I'd say to my wife, like, I don't know what to think my own. I'm a grown person. And with this whole big pretzel that kind of put us in. And, um, I think we used the line on our, um, on our art for the story, but just this idea of like, we're always conditioned to get the thumbs up from the player. And this was the first time that we didn't get it. And so, you know, the brain is not meant to deal with that level of uncertainty. And so mm -hmm. how does that kind of happen? And so it was a really interesting week featured a bunch of different people in Western New York that I think really kind of summed it up. There's been some really cool characters there. Their sports talk radio host, Jeremy White, um, has been through an unimaginable amount of grief in his own life. And you listen to him fielding these calls from these people who are phoning into the talk radio station, and it sounds like therapy, but in the best possible way. And I thought that he did such a good job this week of bridging the gap between you can come on and you can cry your eyes out if you want to. That's cool. But if you want to come on and you have a legitimate question about what happens to the Bills during the playoffs, I'm not going to scream at you because I understand that like some people just want to think about anything other than what happened because what yeah. happened is really uncomfortable. And so I think he, you know, it was it's just such a cool place. You, you and I love. Uh, I think have a lot of uh, love for Buffalo, the area, the people. Um, and have done reporting up there uh, numerous times on different stories. And so it was just incredible to see this community rally after 
I mean, this has been a tough year. You the top shooting back in May, which the Bills were a big part of in terms of helping the community heal. You had the mm-hmm. blizzard uh, uh, in uh, around Christmas. I think there was 37 people who lost their lives during the blizzard. It was one of the worst um, in recent memory. And again, you know, what you know, the Bills and their run that had a big part in kind of uplifting people during that time. And so to see them respond for the Bills in a moment where they kind of needed that fan support. Uh, it, it's really unique. It's it's a, it's a unique place. I mean, there's not a lot of NFL cities like Buffalo. I, I, I think it's safe to say that. With the relationship, the intimacy between the fans um, and the community, it's, it's rare. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top not of that, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to point game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because it ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Lions. Packers. All right. So before we dive into this, just a heads up, uh, the playoff picture is set. We are aware of that. We are going to talk about it more in depth on the midweek show, which will happen this week. Uh, We also will talk about any coach firings and hirings, all that stuff. Uh, We're taping late night Sunday, and there still haven't been any new ones. We'll talk about Sean Payton connections to Denver a little bit later in the show, but uh, one doesn't happen tonight, and it happens at like 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. That's how podcasts work. It's pre-recorded media, so we're not going to have it on the show. But uh, Connor, 
Let's dive into that uh, Lions-Packers game. Lions, nothing to play for after the Seahawks knocked off the Rams in overtime. Uh, and they still go into Lambeau. And for the third straight season, the Packers season ends with an upset loss at Lambeau Field. Yeah, and just to back up for a minute, I know this is a podcast, but if you send us your address, Gary and I will come to your house to update you on coach hiring and firing. Like, if you want us to, <laughs> we will be there. Um, that's what big legacy print media is all about. It's coming to you. And so, yes, but you uh, have to be, be there. there. You, you have to deal with us when we get there. Yeah, like you, we're not, we're not bringing any food, you know, probably mm-hmm. closed for like two days, but then... Mm-hmm. You know, you guys got to figure all that stuff out afterwards. And Gary only drinks mineral water. So, yeah, just a yep, just a heads up. Um, but yeah, no, I thought pick your moment. Um, this was, um, if anything's going to kind of eliminate whatever hubris I think Green Bay had, uh, this is certainly one of those just hyper embarrassing deals where, I mean, gosh, you had. Aaron Glenn like salsa dancing down the sideline during that game and Mm -hmm. Jabal Williams just like doing the thrust celebration. Uh, I think someone did like a sheathing of the swords after the Lions uh, converted that last first down. Um, But the most telling thing to me was, and I don't know if it was the audio um, just kind of getting crumpled a little bit, but at the end of the game on the fourth down or whatever that was, the last thing that the Lions did to get the first down to ice the game, I don't know if it was a third down or a fourth down. I couldn't remember. The, the um, fourth and short one when they went empty. The It was like the before they kneeled, the last play before the kneel. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Um. So Matt uh, LaFleur is on the sidelines, and he's trying to pump up the crowd and, like, everybody's already had enough. Like there's no, there's no winning it back right now. You are, you know, I don't know your journey and you know, you're, it's clear you're not playing. Don't stop believing. And everybody's pissed, you know? And, uh, that's what they sang, right? You're, you're old enough to remember that. Correct. (laughs) Sorry. That wasn't cool. I'm just getting uh, like sideswiped all over the place. That's a blindside block that right was, there. That was uncool. <sighs> Super uncool. Um, but yeah, no, it was like you're not winning the you're not winning this back. Uh we are we are pissed at you guys and we're gonna let you know about it for a couple of weeks. So yeah, mm. it's a tough one. Very, very tough. And 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 who knows now? Now Aaron Rodgers made it look like he was never playing again. So the whole thing's very weird. Yes, it was a very weird post game. If you didn't stay in, they, they the cameras followed Rogers around for a while. Uh, there was a lot of uh, sort of arm in arm walk off with Randall Cobb. It might have just meant Randall Cobb was done. Uh, Aaron Rodgers did not want to give his jersey to Jameson Williams uh, or presumably anyone else. And uh, we'll see. I, I mean, we've all been yearning for more off season Aaron Rodgers drama, so maybe we get to dive right into that in January. Let me ask you like just a theoretical question. So um, let's say at sports illustrated, we traded pens maybe after like big stories or something like that. And Mm -hmm. so it's my first day at the office, which would have been Halloween day after Halloween, 2018. Um, And so um, you've, you've been around the block. You've been here for a while. And then I come in and I want to trade pens with you on the first day. And I'm just like, hey, hey, man, can I have your pen? Are you are you saying no? Are you pulling an Aaron Rodgers and you tell me to get out of your face? 
man. The <laughs> so the thing you want to do to be polite is then like I don't know, like oh no I already promised it Jamal Williams or or something like that as opposed to just like a no and then just like walk away. Uh, if I was going to walk out of the building and never come back, I might just say no, and then uh, we'd never have to interact again, and there would be no awkwardness when we one day host a podcast. And then maybe there will be an Aaron Rodgers, Jamison Williams podcast one day. Maybe that's what's next. Ooh. But um, but yeah, it, it was it was a it was a strange scene. It was a weird season for the Packers who even through this four game look they went plus nine in turnover margin during the four game winning streak that's that's not sustainable it just wasn't a very good team in the end is is what you had there and I'm sure right. anyone anyone in the NFC would have loved to play them the first round because they're just they're just not that good I was very happy Gary that you steered me in that direction just as uh you know we were talking last week about um, the choice was from editors. It's like, okay, are we going to write that like the Packers are a deep threat playoff contender, or uh, this is meaningless? And uh, you know, you swayed me towards the side of this is meaningless. And uh, I feel like I should listen to you more often. This is uh, yeah. I'm, I'm in a good I'm in a good place with that. This team is so good. It's so talented. Um, I don't I don't know. I don't know if you you need to upgrade at the quarterback position at this point, you know, does Aaron Rodgers in some way and gosh, I hope this doesn't get clipped and taken out of context, but is he a player that the older that he gets and, you know, he, he puts a lot into his motion to be able to get the power, to get the torque. Mm -hmm. Is that harder to do as you get a little bit older? And is it almost sort of like, Russell Wilsonian in a way that like, okay, Russell can't exactly play that the way that he needs to. And now everything's got to change. Can he change? I think it would be much easier for Aaron Rodgers to change because he's been adapting physically throughout his entire career. Mm -hmm. Is this a matter of this is the off season of my physical adaptation or is it I'm kind of done trying to try this? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is this the off season where he turns himself into Tom Brady in terms of just, hey, I'm three-step dropping this, and, and we're just we're running this thing back. Um, or is it kind of, you know, I want to play the way I want to play, and I just don't think I can play that way anymore. Rams, Seahawks. And so the Seahawks get in by beating the Rams in overtime. Uh, a couple of things here. Uh, number one, it just kind of feels a little bit better because the Seahawks obviously overachieved so much as opposed to the Packers who who relatively underachieved this year. Not that that should be a measure of who gets in and who doesn't, but uh, uh, it feels like this is an accomplishment for Seattle. They, they can pat themselves on the back even if they go uh, one and done here uh, in the postseason against the 49ers. Uh, the... Other two big things, big coaching developments. Uh, number one, all sorts of rumors that Sean McVay might walk away uh, after, frankly, doing a really nice job over the last month of the season with what is kind of like the Rams' preseason roster. Uh, and the other big news is Pete Carroll wore a hat. I know. Mm -hmm. What is go? You know what? None of this stuff started, Gary, until we started pointing it out. And I feel like we got into some heads. I feel like Jeff Saturday got the memo because he, he wore a hat the following week when we started making a big deal out of the hat stuff. And all of a sudden, the door to Selson Blue closed. 
and mm. you know he put a lid on those gorgeous locks, which was uh, <laughs> really notable. But Pete Carroll wearing a hat today was stunning. It's like it would be like one of our dads wearing a hat, and they like they've never worn a hat before. It'd be like, what are you doing? It's too late to start wearing a hat. It was, and a, and a tip of something or other to uh, Evil Plateau Tim on Twitter for pointing that out to me. I don't mm-hmm. know if I would have. <laughs> I don't know if I would have noticed. Sorry, I'm kind of into it. I'm not that into it. And uh, also, good job, it. Evil Plateau Tim, for having like the 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 Twitter handle and the Twitter name match each other. So I don't have to go into a deep explanation of who this person is. But yeah. uh, he pointed out he had the Sasquatch-like video uh, of it where it actually kind of looks like John Fox wearing a Boston <laughs> Celtics hat. That's pretty cool. <laughs> he said it was from a bar. So you can go on Twitter and see that. I'm sure it's like uh, Elon will put it on the – maybe just make it the homepage. I'm down with that. But, yeah, no, good for the Seahawks. I mean, the the I think it was like a Thursday night game when they played the uh, – the 49ers a couple of mm-hmm. weeks ago was that a thursday night game oh gosh i don't even remember that game was that a brock purdy game it was a brock purdy to me game yeah um i believe it was thursday night football um or maybe it was like one of the odd nights but that was one of those nights where the seahawks scored like a late touchdown to make it look semi more relevant than uh than the game was but okay I, the two teams just looked like they were on different planets and Again, that might be the case, but if there is a coach, if there is a team that can like shock the world and pull a total stunner of an upset in the first round, don't you think it's someone like Pete Carroll with a hyper aggressive, don't give a you know what cornerback and like a banging running game? You know, like I yeah. feel like you know this is and and we can talk ourselves into any upsets obviously <laughs> any team that makes the tournament is eligible to upset this isn't like i don't know loyola chicago beating duke this is um you know this is uh, it's all it's all feasible at this point mhm giants eagles and we're just going to rapid fire these nfc east games cuz there's not a whole lot to talk about uh in terms of the games themselves uh, Jalen Hurts was back and looked good, uh, which is good for the Eagles. And yeah, they'll <laughs> they'll get the the first round bye and and move on here. And they beat up on Davis Webb and the Giants backups. Yeah, um, good for Davis Webb getting some reps. By the way, I was happy yeah. to see him get a uh, happy to see him get some throws. But um, after the game, Nick Sirianni said that, uh, which I don't understand, but. Um, he said there was no chance of further aggravating the injury, but that Hertz was under a lot of pain while he was playing. So I guess you take mm. that into consideration and you say, okay, um, they can kind of sleepwalk their way uh, over the Giants, even though the Giants are playing a lot of backups. And, and that's that. You kind of just get out of the regular season somewhat healthy with a fighting chance to do this thing in the postseason. Cowboys, Commanders. And I feel like, in a way, for the Cowboys, uh, you're kind of you're kind of feeling good that your your January dud just got out of the way in what was essentially a meaningless game. And they they had to know that there was very little chance that the Giants were uh, going to upset the Eagles in the other game. So, uh, but yeah, they look like total garbage against the Commanders in Washington in all phases. And uh, Sam Howell got his first start, looked fine. You know, looked like a 
competent uh, quarterback who will stick around for a little while. So, yeah, uh, I, I but I think the Cowboys now have had a couple of duds, right? Like, I mean, there's been like several duds here towards the end of the season. They almost lost to the Texans. Uh, they lost to the Jaguars uh, on that pick six in overtime. Mm-hmm. You know, what was the stat here with Dak Prescott? At the end? So, so starting on Thanksgiving, um, here are the interception totals per game. Two, one, two, two, one, two. So, I mean, he is, and this is after a pretty clean beginning of the season, but mm-hmm. ever since he's come back, uh, uh, he's been a little bit sloppier with the ball. Um, I don't know, man. It's uh, I'm not as full bloom in love with this team as I was before. I don't know I if would, that's I would try to soothe your jangled nerves by saying, <laughs> uh, well, number one, they, they were terrible in this game. There's nothing else to really take away from it. There were a lot of sort of weird tip deflection type interceptions. True. I don't think True. it was, um, I don't think they were fundamentally problematic turnovers that was plaguing them. You know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of like what you saw from the Chiefs midseason last year, where you know, yeah, the just execution is a little bit off, balls bouncing in bad ways, and uh, it happens sometimes. And you know, they'll they'll go down to Tampa, and man, I mean, we'll see what the offense if the defense doesn't just, I don't know, uh, sack Tom Brady seventy eight times. That's going to be a disappointment. Gary, guess how many times Tom Brady has lost to the Cowboys? Probably zero. That's Is that right. true? Yeah. That's right. Uh, it, it, they obviously didn't play a ton, but it was a lot of sort of bad and mediocre Cowboys teams. Uh, and then obviously they've beaten them each of the last two openers. Openers, right? Yeah. And yeah. so... Mike Evans actually asked Brady about it on the sidelines, and they uh, and they caught him. He said, "Are you six and zero against the Cowboys?" Um, it was like a Twitter video that was um, making the rounds back in September. But yeah, he said, "Aren't you six and zero against the Cowboys?" Tom Brady said, "Yeah," and then Mike Evans said, "I knew you'd know that too." But um, this was back in September, and then they beat the Cowboys to go seven and zero. So Gary, I'm just saying, Tom Brady doesn't lose to the Cowboys. It's not going to happen. The team of Grambling is just crumbling before our eyes right now. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ravens, Bengals. All right, so we'll swing this back to the AFC here. Uh, the Bengals are back-to-back AFC North champions. Uh, decisive win over a Ravens team that, uh, you know, kind of were resting guys. Uh, you know, Tyler Huntley seemed to be... Uh, legitimately hurt. Lamar Jackson is still kind of a question mark. So Anthony Brown got the start and looked like a, a young rookie quarterback against a really good defense. And uh, this one really never really felt competitive. No. And we're in, um, we're in Joe cool phase right now. So he is just, he's all the way back. Um, some of the pocket movement. I mean, you and I love the functional athleticism term, but I mean, he is pocket Tom Brady on hyperdrive. And mm-hmm. there was a second and eight early in this game. And I'm not going to do all the Chris Berman sound effects, but I'm just going <laughs> to just go back and look at it because you can see it on. Uh, I think it's on the, the YouTube highlights too. second and eight at the beginning of the uh, first quarter. I believe it was their first drive, right? Takes a takes a shotgun snap and empty almost gets sacked uh, like trips catches himself with one hand, then almost gets sacked from the other side. He like he does like a vintage NCAA 2004 side hop around another guy <laughs> and then scrambles ahead for like nine yards to get the first down. Or he almost got the first down. I think it was seven yards to almost get a first down. He's he's incredible and doesn't get the, the credit for being the athlete that he is. And I, the other thing I think about this team is that they're getting the receivers are, are rising up to meet him at a level where like even Hayden Hurst now is just ripping balls out of the air. And, you know, like Trenton Irwin is becoming like a legitimate, you know, playoff threat where he's going to end up with some sort of ridiculous, like 80 yard touchdown into break open playoff game. You know, they're just so deep, but also just the way that Burrow distributes and runs this offense, you know, it's, it's lifting all boats. You know, everybody's really, really talented and good. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and the way the defense is playing, uh, yeah, it, we're not going to overstate uh, performances against Anthony Brown. They'll probably get either Tyler Huntley or Lamar Jackson uh, in the wild card round of the playoffs coming up. But uh, this is a big three in the AFC right now, uh, and it's the Bengals are right there with the Chiefs and the Bills, and this is going to be it's going to be a really entertaining tournament. Uh, but. Kind of speaking of which, uh, let's actually cue up the uh, Simpsons clip of the week, uh, courtesy of courtesy of Joe Mixon's actions. To take the ferry cost a nickel, and in those days, nickels had pictures of bumblebees on them. Give me five bees for a quarter, you'd say. Now, where were we? Oh, yeah. The important thing was that I had an onion on my belt, which was a style at the time. They didn't have white onions. Because of the war, the only thing you could get was those big yellow ones. (laughs) (laughs) So, at some point, we're just going to play that entire clip uh, to fill a show. But, yeah, Joe Mixon pulls the quarter out after scoring the touchdown. Uh, Did not exchange it for five Bs, but uh, did the coin flip to kind of, you know, mock the NFL's decision to possibly decide Bengals Ravens by a coin flip should the Ravens have won this game it was uh I it's tough right because you're moving around and you're hiding it in your sock and so (laughs) it's gonna take you a couple seconds to actually Mm -hmm. get the the coin out of there because you had to take your gloves off uh he almost didn't stick the landing but um I think he got it just in time for this thing to end up working out for him. I love a good interactive celebration. Mm-hmm. And so I thought this was, uh, I thought this is very well done. Uh, number one, you needed to bring back the Walter Payton ruse with the pocket in the side. And that would have really, uh, that, that would have addressed a lot of quarter issues. Here oh, yes. And then what, yes, it was ruse, right? And then they, didn't they kind of have a comeback like seven, six or seven years ago? I mean, they had a comeback when I wore them like a decade ago. I, I was going to like I, I went through three years of three pairs of roos. They're tremendous shoes. They just don't make as many anymore. Are they still around? Yes. Yeah, the, I, I get more, but they don't have that many designs with. I, I like the word roos uh, on the pocket is what I really look for. And, and they make a lot with just the kangaroo logo, which is still cool, but it's not not quite. Not not quite it for me. Oh yeah, see, you you can't abandon the uh, you can't abandon what what brought you there. You know what I mean? Um, I'm, I'm all yeah, I'm all for kind of minimalist design, but uh, it's too much. Put put the ruse on the side. I will buy more of your sneakers if you put ruse on the side. You heard it here first. <laughs> so let's let's get into this a little bit. Uh, Ah, there were no great solutions uh, for resolving things after the Bills-Bengals game was canceled. Uh, However, I do think the Bengals were right to be fairly outraged by the fact that you already had a rule on the book saying if a game is canceled, uh, standings will be decided by win percentage. Uh, And, again, like... You can argue extenuating circumstances, but I don't know what other circumstances would lead to a canceled NFL game. Uh, So the rule was in place for an event like this. 
I, I don't know what else, you know, like what the, the Colts and the Bengals would just decide they don't feel like playing, so they're going to cancel the game together. There's no other scenario uh, outside of something catastrophic that will lead to this. So to not fall back on the rule you already wrote just seemed incredibly silly. Right. And I I don't think, in general, I don't think the league could have bungled this any more than they did from the beginning, which is, mm. I mean, from the moment where someone, air quotes, said for them to go back on the field after five minutes, and then that night the league holding a press conference, you know, more or less to say, we have no idea what you're talking about, and then had denied it eight different ways, which, I don't know, at least to me, made me a little bit more suspicious of their role in this, generally speaking, but I think they've settled on nameless official who is now taking the blame for this, um, uh, for this thing. But, you know, from the beginning, it's just sort of like, man, we just, we need common sense to take the wheel. Now I will say the one thing that I did like about it, Gary was that, and our Jonathan Jones reported this, our buddy, our best friend, um, Mm -hmm. that it was going to be a coin flip that took place in an undetermined location, which is, shades of the Permian Panthers and Friday Night Lights and uh, good old, uh, oh, God, what's the actor who played um, Gary Gaines in that movie? Um, oh, Angelina man. Jolie's old husband. Um, oh. Uh, uh, Billy Bob Blade. Thornton. Yes. Yes, at the gas <laughs> his, station. His, and then the coin, name. like, falls under the table. It was, the, it was so good. His name isn't Slingblade. <laughs> okay. Oh, that movie is so good. Uh, so one of my neighbors is reading that book for the first time now, and it makes me so mad that I can't go back and unread it and then read it again because I really did love that book. And then to see the movie was really special. But that yeah. was the only part that I liked, Gary. And I wonder if there was something in the back of their minds <laughs> that was like, I mean, this is going to be a sick made for TV event. So, you know, we're just crazy opportunists and we're going to abolish the rule on the book so we can get 250,000 people to watch a coin flip. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it would have been it would have been pretty good, would have been pretty good for it's why I'm always shocked. They haven't gone to like a draft lottery just because they'd have another event. But crazy. whenever something happens like that, I'm always like, you know, did they like come up with some sort of sponsorship deal with like the Franklin mint. And now they're going to do this so they can sell like collectible, uh, Ravens, Bengals, <laughs> coin flip coins. And well, I don't know, but it's not going to happen. Bengals won this one handily. So they will host the Ravens next week. And, uh, as, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're going to talk about those games on the midweek show, which will exist this week. Chargers Broncos. Uh, so we're going to get into the reports about Sean Payton and uh, potential Broncos discussions uh, a little bit later. We're going to throw it into the sort of mini lightning-ish round at the end of the show. Uh, but I guess the talking point in this one is you have the Chargers. By the time this game kicked off, the Chargers had already clinched the number five seed. They couldn't move up. They couldn't move down. They had decided they were going to play their starters. Uh, and they did. And... You know, Mike Williams got hurt. We're, we're unclear what the extent is uh, as we tape the show, and Joey Bosa got hurt. Uh, and 
I guess it's just kind of a reminder of as frustrating as it was to maybe watch Davis Webb play today for the Giants if you're a if you're a Cowboys fan. Uh, this is why you don't play your Chargers, or excuse me, play your starters if you're the Chargers, uh, specifically your you know two guys who have been injury prone throughout their careers and were recently injured. Seeing, um, and I know Mike Williams is the one that got hurt, but seeing Keenan Allen out there taking like a crosser on on the first possession of the game, I, I, I just had like a really sick feeling in my stomach because I think we're big Staley fans and this just felt like a massive self-inflicted um, wound. You know, this was something that, that didn't really need to happen. And I get... Um, the, the historical example that everyone goes back to, right, and that was sort of eulogized in the NFL is Tom Coughlin mm-hmm. playing all his starters against the Patriots because he's like, you know what, they're undefeated and we're going to see what we, you know, we're going to see what we got. That's different than playing <laughs> the Denver Broncos. And I don't know, I, I was thinking to myself, okay, you know, you're going to play the Jaguars. Uh, is there mm-hmm. any sort of parallel between what the Jaguars show defensively and the Broncos? Like, are you looking at a, you know, a sort of a Fangio-esque system? And not really. I mean, no. you know, I, I, I mean, yes, a lot of these defenses have, ha- have homogenized, but like the personnel doesn't seem very similar to me. Like the Broncos are very dominant in other areas that the Jaguar, like they're almost inverse, I would feel like defensively strength wise. So it's like, boy, I don't know what what are we thinking here? Because this team is just going to be, and you got a lot of guys playing for tape right now in Denver, trying to get another year out of it. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to be throwing haymakers at the end of the season. Russell Wilson trying to say, save this thing. I, I don't know. I, I hated it. I hated it from the beginning. And, uh, you know, now that it's 2020 hindsight, I get to look smart by saying I hated it, I guess. <laughs> Titans Jaguars. And let's go back to Saturday night. Uh, I'm going to take my Jaguars victory lap. I told everyone not to get off the bandwagon, uh, even when I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs because I thought they had given uh, up too many games to the Titans at that point. This was, I thought, kind of nice for the Jaguars, along with obviously winning the division and going to the playoffs. This is a team that I think lost a handful of games where they were just sort of the better team. And I think they were the better team than the Titans, even before all the injuries hit the Titans earlier in the season. Uh, this was a game that they kind of shouldn't have won, though. <laughs> this this was not a good performance. They didn't necessarily get outplayed. It's a little bit tricky to assess Trevor Lawrence here because he missed three throws, but they were all kind of catastrophic misses. Uh, he had the one to Christian Kirk, which is the one forgivable one because he was absorbing a, you know, basically a shot to the belly button as he's uh, trying to get that ball downfield to the uh, front pylon. Uh, the other one is that he just sort of airmailed a ball uh, late in the down, moving left, and he's usually so good moving left uh, with a wide open receiver in the end zone on a third down. That was a four point miss. And he had that one, and I want to reiterate how much I love Trevor Lawrence, and I think he will win multiple MVPs uh, before I say this. The miss he had down the sideline for Marvin Jones in the fourth quarter that looked like it might sort of do them in, that was a Blake Bortles impression. 
That was Woo. what Blake Bortles did for years and years wow. on those throws of the side. He just put it like five yards out of bounds. And and he took contact after he let it go. Troy Aikman was correct in saying the contact didn't really affect the throw. I mean, it affects a little bit when, when someone's bearing down on you and you know you're about to take a hit. But uh, that was <laughs> that was positively Bortelsian. Man. Um I so I go back to I loved uh, Troy Aikman in this game was hysterical. He <laughs> treated Trevor Lawrence um uh he sounded like my dad at like a very early Connor Orr basketball game, you know, like just um uh it was it was constructive criticism, but you know, I think that you know, we definitely knew that there was some stuff to work on, but uh I think I called him a spelling bee parent in uh in my Jaguars column, but uh he uh <laughs> it's just so funny sometimes like he did this earlier in the season with Ed Donatel the Vikings defensive coordinator during the Eagles game where he will just get on a heater on someone and then just start cantankerously like ripping out their soul on the broadcast for no reason. And I thought that he, he really gave it to Trevor Lawrence. It was a good one. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was funny, but I thought that the worst miss, uh, you know, when I look at the Christian Kirk one again, a couple times, I can almost see the mistake. Like if you, and again, Game Pass is a complete garbage train wreck um, hellscape of a, of a piece of software. But um, if you see, there was like a, a one moment in the broadcast where you could freeze it and you could almost see his direct line to where he was looking. And there was a, there was a receiver and a defensive back in between. It was like Trevor Lawrence, the receiver and the defensive back. And then Christian Kirk was behind them. I can understand your depth perception getting messed up mm-hmm. in that moment. Like I, I, to me, that's slightly more forgivable. I think the one thing you can't do is you can't high pitch that reverse like that. Yep. To yep. me was the worst mistake because, you know, you've done option stuff. It should be something you're theoretically comfortable with. But even if you feel like it's not right at all, you have the option to tuck that and run with that. And, you, and in that place, against the Titans with that score and the circumstances, that to me was the worst moment of that game for him. Yeah. Yeah, and look, they got away with this one because, uh, and Josh Jobs, I thought, played admirably considering he just got to Tennessee, uh, you know, like two weeks ago. Made some plays with his legs. You can do some stuff with him. He's going to be in the NFL for, for a long time as a, as a second and third quarterback. Uh, but, you know, look, if Tannehill is healthy, and I'm not the biggest Tannehill guy in the world. The Titans probably win that game. Uh, yes. There's enough Derrick Henry, and obviously those those turnovers, including the game losing turnover, uh, you know the 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 sacks sack fumble uh, scoop by Josh Allen touchdown is what ended this one. Uh, I will say the other thing about the Jaguars, I thought their linebackers were really really shaky on Saturday night. Um, I I. Th- think that's probably as poorly as they can play uh man Trevon Walker had one of his best games and Arden Key continues to just sort of be all of a sudden just a really good player it, just for so long a guy that you looked at and were like yeah really talented could never rely on him maybe you play him like 12 snaps a game and hope you get something but uh you know he's just 
disrupting everything uh, in a variety of ways. He's just he's become just good. This is your Arden Key coming out party because I remember a few times when uh, we would lightly discuss matters related to Arden Key and you would kind of have these little compliments, hidden compliments about Arden Key. And now this is really sort of your I'm an Arden Key guy moment. And then two years from now, he's going to be Yannick Ngakwe on this show where you're just like, (laughs) really, the reason that the Jaguars won the Super Bowl is because of Arden Key. But Mm -hmm. very happy for you because I I do believe he is in your – he is, he is on Team Gary Gramley. I am. I'm down in the Arden Key bunker, and I'm sort of peeking my head up and looking around and seeing if anyone's ready to uh, – because really, I just don't want to have any of these takes until someone is agreeing with me, and then I'll feel good about it. Yeah, well, that's fine. Um, but yeah, no, I I think I left that game encouraged by Jacksonville because you still beat – I think Mike Vrabel is top – four five in terms of best head coaches in the NFL. And regardless of what he had at his disposal, you were down 10 against a Derrick Henry team. And you had maybe the worst game for your quarterback that you're going to have all season. And you ran for two yards a carry and you somehow came back and won that game. You know, that to me instills far more levels of confidence than it would be if they just had like a very ho-hum, like 24 or 14 win over the Titans. Yeah, that was a C performance, and uh, and it got him a division title. See you in the Super Bowl performance. Yeah. <laughs> no. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. 
From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Texans, Colts. All right, so we're going into the lightning just round here. Uh, we're not going to talk about Texans Colts uh, very much at all, I- except I will say, win the game. Lovey Smith, win the games. Yeah, totally. Like, just go win because the coaches and the players, that's number one, that's, that's your job to win games. Uh, number two, you're just putting them in position to draft your replacements anyway if you don't win. So go win and, you know, let them sort out uh, what they're going to do with the draft picks, which are still very high, and you still have the Browns draft pick and all that stuff. So uh, if you can't figure it out, you're kind of doomed anyway. But, yeah, man, nice job, Texans. Yeah, it was. So this was an all-time satisfying moment. and We should save the Bears' speculation, obviously, for – We'll do maybe another show on that, but we can get a taste of it a little bit later in this show. But it set up all sorts of phenomenal scenarios, right? It embarrasses Jeff Saturday, which Mm -hmm. I'm kind of into at this point. Let's be real. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm sure he's a fine person. And if we were to have a, a, you know, I don't know, a Cajun seafood boil together, I'm sure we would have a great time. Mm -hmm. I just don't like what it did to the industry. I think it set a terrible precedent. I think it was an insult to a lot of people. That's why I like when the Colts lose football games. Um, So the Colts lost, which I liked Um, (laughs) really sort of uh, uh, it repunishes the Texans, right? Because now they have to take, if they want, if they want Bryce young, they're going to have to take all that capital that they got for Deshaun Watson and, tra- and trade up one spot to get it, which mm-hmm. is really funny. Um, so I enjoy that. And uh, and then also it puts the Bears into this position where we're going to have we're going to have stuff to talk about all offseason. It's going to be great. I wrote a post. It took me 13 minutes to write this column because I was so giddy after the Bears got the number one pick. Um, And this was after writing about the Bills for four hours. I'm telling you, this took me 13 minutes because I'm just so excited about all the different things that could happen to them this offseason. The Bears could come out of this, and we'll get to this later, but geniuses or complete Cardinals-level Josh Rosen disaster scenario. Mm -hmm. And so this one game allowed all of this to happen, and I demand a 30 for 30 on it because it's (laughs) that good. Makes me that happy. I'll say this for for the Bears. Uh, you asked me, I think two weeks ago, you know, if the Bears get number one pick, you and I kind of just immediately shot it down. But I also didn't really consider it as a legitimate possibility. Yeah, and, baby. And here we are. Uh, what's going to be fascinating to me? It just comes down to they're going to have to look into Bryce Young and Will Levis, but I, I think Bryce Young is is more likely to be the the top pick. And you know, I think Ron Rivera said it. A couple of years ago, uh, when the uh, uh, when Washington was looking at, uh, I, I think it was Tua Tagovailoa at that point, and and you know you just kind of say like you got to look into it because you got to make sure he's not Michael Jordan. Like you, you can't pass on a generational guy if you end up assessing he's a gener- generational guy, and then you have a decision to make. Uh, at that point, they they had Dwayne Haskins in the house, and and obviously 
Um, you know, they, they've gone through a, a bunch of different quarterbacks at this point. But if you are the Bears, you have to look into Bryce Young. And you have to look into Will Levis. Uh, you have to look into C.J. Stroud. Uh, however, you have to do it really quietly in a very deft way. And you probably have to back-channel some Justin Fields trade talk to see exactly what would come back because that factors into it too. I don't think they're going to come away with it and say like, man, the gap between Bryce Young and Justin Fields is so large that we, you know, we got to, we got to pull the trigger and we got to move Justin Fields. But if you're talking about someone's going to put a large uh, package of picks on the table for Justin Fields, that factors into it. That's just the way it's going to be. So, Okay, let, let's just get into this because we're here. We're already yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so here here are my scenarios, and mm-hmm. tell me if I'm wrong, okay? Yep. Here are all the things that I think can happen. One, mm-hmm. the Bears can come right out, which I think, you know, oh, gosh, I don't know what to do because, like you said, it makes such a good point. Like, they can't just say, well, like, well, we don't like Bryce Young. You know what I mean? Like, they can't do that. Um, so but here's what they could do. Here's all the scenarios. They can come right out end of season press conference, baggy day tomorrow or the next day. And they can say, Justin's our guy. Um, that the pick is open for business. Give us your best package. You have until April, April, whatever. And then we're cutting it off. We're taking the best package. And then in that scenario, you have like the Texans who have a ton of draft capital. Mm -hmm. You have, uh, I wrote, I wrote this all down. You have the Colts who have the fourth, overall pick and four picks in the top 106 you have the seahawks who have two first rounders and six picks in the top 122 you have the raiders who have the seventh pick and four picks in the top 109 falcons have the eighth pick and five picks in the top 113 panthers have the number nine pick five picks in the top 114 so you have a lot to play with here Mm -hmm. just in year one equity and return not to mention you have the Jets, you have the Commanders, you have the Titans, you have the Buccaneers, you have the Ravens, and you have the Giants. Someone is going to get hosed out of their veteran quarterback that they want, and they're going to feel a butt-ton of pressure. Maybe we have a veteran player involved in a trade. Like, you know, there's so many fun and enjoyable scenarios here. So that's the first one. The second one is the Bears have to do basically John Gruden, right? Like you said, they have to say that Derek Carr is my guy, but then you're going to go to Kyler Murray's pro day uh, mm-hmm. and you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, you could take Bryce Young and keep Justin Fields and pull a Kyle Shanahan, right? And keep one of them until opening day. And, you know, Fields is one of those quarterbacks. Keep Fields for as long as possible, mm-hmm. but he's one of those quarterbacks that like, I feel like a team could design an offense for somewhat quickly and have success with playoff caliber team loses their quarterback in the preseason. You can get some, you can get some picks back for him or you create like a fields package. I don't know. I mean, the guy was taking toss sweeps, um, you know, at the end of the season, I'm not minimizing that, but, um, or straight up you trade fields. It's so interesting, right? Like, they have so many options on the table and I don't think anybody blame, like they have, they have the golden ticket. There's a lot of yeah. ways that they can screw this up, but there's a lot of ways that they can come away from this looking absolutely brilliant, you know, but there's no middle, there's no middle ground to this, man. 
The other thing to kind of keep up, and you bring up a really good point, that there are a lot of QB-needy teams with enormous amounts of draft capital. Uh, and man, could you just go to the Falcons and be like, all those picks and, uh, you know, either Kyle Pitson or A.J. Terrell. You send them our way and, uh, and, and you got your number one pick here. Uh, there's so much they can get for that pick. Uh, you also, it, it's, we talked, we talked about it. You wrote about it and you took a lot of heat for it, even though you were ultimately right. Uh, even <laughs> if you were a nice guy and kind of, and kind of wavered a little bit, uh, <laughs> performatively wavered, uh, because you wanted to yes. keep your nice guy reputation intact. Hell yeah. Uh, the bears were in no way set up for a young quarterback this year. Uh, you are now going to be entering year three with Justin Fields uh, in the NFL. Bringing in Bryce Young would give you a chance to hit the reset button. And and I hate to lump them in as like, well, here's, you know, young quarterback X and young quarterback Y. But it does kind of make a difference. You, you, you know, you have a chance to kind of reassess. You get to kind of do it right to an extent. If you take Bryce Young and and have some more resources to build around him with, uh, but yeah, it's it's a really it's a really nice place for them to be, regardless. I guess. Yeah, um, boy, this is what's going to. I think that this is what separates organizationally good organizations from bad organizations, and I think you know, and there's a, there's a player side to this too, right? Like. If you're uh, Matt Eberflus, if you're Ryan Poles, you could say to Justin Fields, like, look, dude, we didn't draft you. We're going to do right by you, but we don't know what's going to happen right now. Mm -hmm. But then there's the other part of that you can't control, right? Justin Fields has an agent. He has a marketing team. He has people that are going to be talking to reporters, too. And so how do you how do you control all this? And I think that the all time worst example of this is the Arizona Cardinals in 2019 mm -hmm. when they had Josh Rosen and they tweeted out like, Josh is our guy. And then Cliff Kingsbury comes to the combine and I'll never forget it. I'm standing right there and he's just like, yeah, I mean, this guy's awesome. <laughs> Kyler's great. And it just completely sunk the trade value. Mm -hmm. It changed the perception of everything. And it was, it was hilarious. And so that's the example of what not to be. And I think that you can, you know, there's, a, there's plenty of opportunity to, to grow from here, but organizationally it's going to take a tightrope walk to yeah prop yeah and look if you want to do what the cardinals did you can just go get andy isabella right now uh i know he's been up and down the the ravens active roster and practice squad you could you could have him for free <laughs> so <laughs> all right last one here let's uh let's talk about reports that uh sean payton uh has been granted permission or excuse me, the Broncos have been granted permission by the Saints to talk to Sean Payton uh, about their head coaching vacancy. Uh, we, we don't know exactly what Payton's market is. I, I would assume all the openings are interested in Sean Payton. I just don't really know why this would be the one he would choose, especially if there ends up being some kind of draft pick compensation that has to go back to the Saints which we're assuming there is maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just cash compensate. The Walton family is just going to cut a check to the saints to, to make this all right. But uh, it's a team with so few resources. We've talked all season about the issue with the quarterback. Uh, I get why the Broncos want Sean Payton. 
I just don't know why Sean Payton would want the Broncos. So he said on Fox today, he was asked, um, big week for uh, Michael Strahan, by the way. Michael Strahan um, was on the, the, you know, in the studio. So he's in the studio with with Sean Payton. So he's mm-hmm. part of that news. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow he gets the Prince Harry interview on Good Morning America. Oh, and he did the Prince Harry interview. He did the Prince Harry interview, wow. and then he starts out today absolutely uh, just bludgeoning that clown from the Mammal Network. Um, you know who I'm talking about, the sad clown man. And yeah. uh, yep. and so I, I just a great week for Michael Strahan, uh, you know, just still crushing it after all these years. But Sean Payton was asked on the Fox, that Fox panel show that they're all in together, uh, one to ten, what are the chances that you're back here in the studio with us next year? He said a seven. Uh, my prediction for 2023 was that Sean Payton would stay in TV for another year. Mm-hmm. That would kind of jibe with it. That said, um, I don't believe him. And so, like, I think he's, it's probably hard to take it as word right now because a lot of this feels manufactured. I, you know, I, I thought it was interesting, like, the timing of the reports that came out, like, uh, oh, I've got a super staff assembled with Vic Fangio. Like, yeah. okay, why do you need to tell us that right now? Uh, you know, we, we believe you, he's, you know? If I'm not coaching the NFL, he's just going to, like, hang out at my place. We're going to play some <laughs> Call just... of Duty. <laughs> yeah, we're going to pull a Mike McCarthy and we're just going to lie about all the work we're doing. Um, and then, I don't know. I mean, you make a good point where the Broncos could cut a check for an ungodly amount of money to the Saints and then that's just it. But I would posit that it would be if if the Saints don't absolutely hold Sean Payton for ransom, that is going to be coaching malpractice because – Yes, coaching compensation is all over the map, but John Gruden got two ones, two twos, and eight million dollars. Like that mm-hmm. is franchise altering money and capital. And Sean Payton is a better coach than John Gruden. He's got a better track record. He's got a better playbook. He's got all like all of it's better. And if you don't at least get two ones and two twos, you are absolutely doing a favor for your pal. You're doing a favor for your buddy and you're not taking care of the franchise. That's what I'm going to say to that because yes. like I would absolutely shout from the rooftops, destroy uh, the saints. If they do not milk this for all it's worth, it's a valuable asset too bad. You didn't want to coach the saints. I'm sorry. Don't sign an eight year contract or whatever you sign. Like you can't just retire your way out of this. It's not how it works. Oh man, I don't think I've ever given you a gesture like that. I gave the two, uh, the the double weird number one, <laughs> actual number one, not the double middle finger, which I give you fairly often. Oh, I was hot. Uh, yeah, I was hot about that. Like, it's a very weird thing. Like, you know, someone could say like, "Oh, I get upset about this. I get upset about this," and I'm like, "I get upset about injustices in the NFL head coaching <laughs> world." <laughs> that's that's my platform. That's vote that's or. Where- 2023 (laughs) all right we got a big week connor we're going to be talking playoff stuff we're going to be talking uh, it look if it happens after like one o'clock eastern time on monday morning we're probably not going to happen on the show so we're going to talk uh more coaching changes if they if they come uh midweek show gonna be big huge 
The MMQB NFL Podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Ravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Super Bowl champion Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. You know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.